Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. I want to get into our message today. Uh, we're in a series we're calling Lost at Sea. And if it's your first time here, what we're doing in this series is looking at some boat stories in the Bible to learn how we can discover God's will for our life, how we can learn to navigate our decisions when the course isn't clear. How many of you have some decisions you gotta make? And how many of you would like to know God's will for those decisions, right? I think we all would. And we've looked at a couple different stories already. We've, we've looked at uh, Noah. Noah built a boat, built a big ark. Last week, we had a great message from our friend, Pastor Ken. We talked about Peter, how he stepped out of the boat and. And today, uh, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at the book of Jonah, chapter one of Jonah. And Jonah is going to be so helpful for us because Jonah teaches us some things that are a little bit, a, a little bit different than, than what we've been learning. Um, you think about it, when we looked at Noah, Noah walked with God, and God gave him some instructions, and Noah got into his boat, and that was in God's will. Peter, of course, was one of Jesus' disciples. He was in the boat, and he stepped out of the boat at Jesus' instruction. He, he stepped out of his boat in God's will. Jonah, though, Jonah got into a boat, but he didn't get into a boat in God's will. He, he was running from God. He was out of the will of God. And I'm always excited to share God's word with you, but I have to tell you, uh, it's especially meaningful for me today because of all the stories in the Bible, Jonah is probably one of the stories that brings me the most comfort as I endeavor to follow God's plan for my life. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like there's times where I've missed it. I feel like there's times where I've made mistakes. I haven't always you know, lived the life that God wanted, has wanted me to live. And when I look at the life of Jonah, uh, it's helped me to know that God can still get me where he wants me to be. And I wanna use his story to answer this question. What do you do when you feel like you've missed God's will. I mean, we talked about how to hear from God and how to do the will of God, but, but what, if, what if you're out of the will of God? Well, what, if you're, what if you've made some choices, you've made some decisions, and, and it's, it's really not God's best for your life, and it can be on the big scale or small scale. In fact, I'm just curious, so I know I'm not talking to myself. Has anybody ever felt like they've missed God? Maybe it was out of ignorance or maybe it was out of in intention where, where maybe you didn't know you made the wrong decision or, or you I'm just, I'm not going that way. I am not doing that. I am resisting that. I think we all have. It, it can range from, from the big to the small. Maybe you just said yes to one too many things and you're, you're facing the consequences of that where you're feeling stretched with your time and, and you, you have all these demands on your life. It could be you're looking at your track record and you know that you've changed your major three times in the last year or you've had five jobs in the last two years and you know I maybe am not making the best decisions right now uh, it, it could be just a job that you took and you didn't realize that it would cause so much stress in your life or didn't realize the cost it would have on your family and your time or it could even range to the more serious where you married somebody, you're in a relationship with somebody, and you're thinking, I'm, I'm not sure that this is the right person. Or maybe you've 
been divorced and you think, well, what, what now? Like, how, how do I, what's God's plan for my life now? If you've ever felt any of those things before, on any end of the spectrum, Jonah's story is going to be really helpful for you. And I want to get right into it because I'm actually going to read the entirety of chapter one. It's not a long chapter. It's 17 verses, but it's a little bit more than I typically read. And uh, so if you have a goal of reading a chapter a day, um, we're going to do that work together. So you can pat yourself on the back for that. But Jonah chapter one, uh, starting in verse one, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because his wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, hey, how can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we'll not perish. So they didn't know what was going on exactly. They, they're just, you know, everybody's doing a Hail Mary. Everybody's just calling out like for some kind of, that's what you do when you're scared, when you're, you're, you're willing to try anything. So the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots, basically play Yahtzee. Uh, to find out who's responsible for this claim. It's really, because if you lose, like it's really bad in this scenario. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where do you go? Where do you come from, cotton-eyed Jonah? What's your country from? What people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked what have you done so they knew he was running away from the Lord because he's, he's let him know by now because he's already told them the sea was getting rougher and rougher so they asked him what should we do to make the sea calm down for us he said pick me up throw me into the sea he replied and it'll become calm I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you instead these men did their best to row back to land they didn't want to do this but the Sea grew even wilder than before, and they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. And they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And that's how chapter one ends. Kind of a crazy story. But within this crazy story is some real truth for you and I. And so I'm calling this message, if you're taking notes, course correction. Course correction. And you can write that down. I want to pray. I want to ask for God's help. And we'll see how God will speak to us today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence, to hear from you, to worship you, God, and to let you speak into our life. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, give us a mind to understand and a heart to receive the things that you want to say to us today, God. We open ourselves up to you. We believe that you will speak. God, make it personal for each person here. I thank you for it, Lord, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, have you ever been caught off guard by a text message? Anybody? 
a handful of you. Um, it, there's all sorts, you know, it could be like when you get that text message that says, call me, and which is kind of weird, because like, why didn't you just call me if I need to call you? But, um, you know, it's like, call me, and you're know, like, what happened? Or um, maybe it's that text message you get that says, uh, we need to talk. And um, have you ever got that one before? And you're like, what did I do? What did I, do? I, hope, uh, I hope it's not too serious. Um, maybe, maybe it's a text message that says, did you pick up the kids from school? And um, you realize it's four o'clock and you haven't yet. Is that just me? Um, I, uh, there's all sorts of text. Text message is like a blessing and a curse. Um, it, it's a blessing because it's convenient. It, it, it's, a, it's a curse because, you know, there's just some things that shouldn't be said over a text message. Can I get a witness with that? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Um, like, if you break up with an emoji, like, just don't do that. Is unforgivable. Okay, just don't do that. Uh, and it's not just the things that that we responded. You know, it's the things that we receive. Like, I don't know if you've ever uh, poured your heart out. Uh, in a text message, like you've labored over every word. You've wanted to make sure that you're articulate and that you adequately and accurately express the feelings of your heart. Has anybody ever done this before? And you, and you do that, and it's the first time maybe you've really ever put yourself out there and you say this to this person and they just respond with like the thumbs up and not even an emoji, just like the, uh, the iPhone, you know, emphasis, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you don't know unless you have an iPhone and probably wouldn't know that unless you're a Christian, but, um, and, you know, you get that. And, and sometimes like, it's not even that, but um, the, I think what's even worse is, is when they just respond with K. Like this is Wheel of Fortune or something and you, it costs you to buy a vowel. I just, you know, there's all sorts of different texters. That there, there's, you know, abbreviated texters, that there's slow texters, there's voice texters. Don't even get me started on voice texters. I had somebody text me the other day uh, and, and it was like, uh, I love one pumpkin couch. And I'm like, what? And they're like, oh, sorry, I was voice texting. But that doesn't make it any better. I still don't know what you're talking about. But um, I, there's different kinds. Of, I'm a quick texter. Uh, what I mean by quick texting is, uh, is I, I, I respond, you know, just, just like, I, I don't proofread uh, everything. And, and so, you know, I, I might get something wrong, autocorrect or, or grammatically wrong. And I really got to say, it's not the messages I receive that give me anxiety, it, it, it's the ones that, that I send. Because I'm a quick texter, because I, I have this ever-present fear that one day uh, a message that I am intending to send to my wife is gonna go to somebody else. And um, I'm not gonna elaborate on that. You can just use your imagination with what I'm talking about. Maybe don't use your imagination. I'm just trying to say, like, my wife and I have a great text life is um, in a nutshell. So I'm just saying, Communication, my whole point, communication has two elements. It has two elements. It's, it's what we receive and it's the way we respond. And I see this in Jonah's life because Jonah, he gets a message, and I don't know what kind of text message it was, out of Old Testament spiritual text message, but he gets this message and it isn't something he expects and catches him off guard. And we see it in verse one and I love it because the scripture, it puts it so plainly. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. I mean, that's what we want in our life, isn't it? For God to speak to us, for us to know God's will. And I want to lay this foundation that if you come to church, that every time you come and every time you engage with God's word and every time you engage with his spirit, God is speaking to you. 
Like, like there's no mystery about it. He just says, the word of the Lord came. And I'm telling you, even today, God's word is coming to you. God's word is speaking to you. Now, lots of times what we want God to speak to us about is, is the what's, the where's, the how's of our life. We, we want to know where do we go and how do we do it and, you know, and when should we do it. But what I hope you're seeing in this series is that discovering God's will for your life and discovering God's plan for, for our lives is a whole lot more than just a bunch of directions. Now, I should probably give you a little background on Jonah if you don't know a lot about him. The, the book of Jonah itself, it's, it's categorized as a prophetic book. What that means is that it was written by a prophet. Jonah was a prophet, and prophet is just this guy who would speak on behalf of God, and, and so that's why it's called a prophetic book. Now, unlike every other prophetic book in Scripture, uh, Jonah's book, Jonah's story, doesn't emphasize the instruction and the prophecy that much. It's in there, but not very much. Uh, instead, it reads a lot more like a narrative. In fact, uh, the, the way it's written, you would really find it more in a historical book like 1 Kings or, or 2 Kings. And the truth is, the first time Jonah comes on the scene, the first time we see his name, is in 2 Kings. He, he comes on the scene, and, and the nation of Israel was in trouble, and Jonah issues God's instruction. He issues God's command, and they receive it, and they respond, and there's a great blessing that comes on the nation because of it. And so I'm just trying to set this up so you see that Jonah, he, he was a sought-after prophet of his day. He, 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 he was the man. God was using him in a mighty way. And I, I got to do that because I got to give Jonah a little credit because I think Jonah gets a bad rap most of the time. In fact, most of the time, the fish gets more emphasis in Jonah's story than Jonah. I mean, the fish is only two verses in the entire book, but everybody wants to know about the fish. And I don't know, maybe that's because, they think, well, is that really possible? I mean, could a fish swallow a man? Can a man survive and fish for three years? Look, I, I don't know, but I do believe that the God who spun the universe into existence with his word could surely provide a fish to sustain a man and swallow a man for three days if he wanted to. So I don't know, I wasn't there, but I'm just saying rather than getting sidetracked with that question, I wanna use Jonah's life and Jonah's story to answer a different question, which is what do you do when you feel like you've missed the will of God? What do you do Maybe it was out of reluctance, maybe it was out of resistance, but what do you do when you miss God's will? Because we've talked like in the first couple of weeks how God has a plan for us. And he knows those plans. And you can know those plans. But I mean, what if you've only recently been following God? What if you made a decision to trust God with your life last week? And so what about every decision you made up until this point? So where you're at, what if you are in a situation right now that's, I mean, what do you do then? Well, that's what Jonah's story is gonna help us with. And typically when we think of God's will, we wanna know like what we're supposed to do. And there's this element of something unknown, like we don't have the information, but Jonah didn't have that problem. Jonah knew exactly what he was supposed to do. Because God gave a clear command to Jonah. Say command. God gave Jonah a clear command. And even though the command was clear, it was, it was met with some resistance and some reluctance. And Jonah runs away from the Lord. 
And the first thing I ought to tell you is you are either running to God's command or from God's command. All of us in our life, we're either running to God's will or from God's will. And the truth is we can be doing both simultaneously at the same time. We can be running to God's plan in one area and away from God's instruction in another area. To God's will in our career and away from God's command in our finances. We want God's will for our marriage, but we're running from God's will in our relationships, not taking all those things into account. We're orienting our, our life around our sense of right and wrong, but not pursuing a relationship with God. We're running to God on Sunday, but running from God Monday through Saturday. You can be doing both at the same time, and you're either running to his purpose or from his purpose based on your attitudes and your actions. You're either running to his command or from his command based on how you respond. And Jonah ran away from his command. And what was the command? The command was to go preach. And not just to go preach, but to preach against the Ninevites. And when I was preparing this message, the thing that struck out, that stood out to me is, is how God can give the same command to two different people and because they respond differently, they, they end up with, with two different results. Because think about it. We talked about Noah the first week. We're talking about Jonah. Both Noah and Jonah were given specific instructions by God. Both of them were. Noah responded with obedience, but Jonah took, <laughs> went, went for a trip, went out of his way. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, well, which one am I? Am I responding with obedience or am I running away from God's command? And it's really not about the request, it's about how you respond. Because when God gives you an instruction, when he gets your attention, do you treat it, here's the question, do you treat it like an inconvenience or do you see it as an invitation? When God speaks something to you, do you see it as an invitation or do you see it as an inconvenience? Because the way you hear God's instruction will determine your response. How do you hear it? Someone says, call me. You think, oh man, I've got this feeling of dread. I was like, oh, they must have some good news they wanna share. It's all about the context. That's why it may be helpful to look at the context in Jonah's situation because Jonah, he definitely heard it as an inconvenience. I mean, here you got this guy, he's, you know, successful prophet. He's got a budding ministry. He's being used by God. He's blessing a nation. God is blessing a nation through him. And now God wants to send him to some ruthless people. Maybe you didn't know that about the Ninevites. Ninevites were some ruthless people. They, they prided themselves on their brutality. Uh, th th they were so brutal. They, they did things that made Game of Thrones look tame. They, they, they would skin their enemies alive, stretch them out. They would cut off their eyelids and set them outside tied up in the sun. They, they, they would take the decapitated heads of their enemies and stack them up outside their city gates. They, they, they used body parts as trophies and necklaces, as victors, symbols of victory. They, they were so, so ruthless that they, they would tie 
their, their enemies up, put them in a dark room, and make them listen to Pink on repeat. That's how ruthless they were. I'm sorry if you have a weak stomach. I mean, there were cat posters involved. There were all sorts of things. I'm just saying they were some ruthless people. And you got to know that because I don't want you to think like God just gave Jonah a command and it was like, you know, some easy thing for him to do. That this was a real challenge. This violated Jonah's very sense of justice. And so it's with that context in mind, God gives him this instruction and it's an inconvenience to Jonah's natural flow of life. It doesn't make any sense. Why would God send him someplace he doesn't want to go to do something that he doesn't want to do? But every time God issues an instruction, especially when it doesn't make sense, it's an invitation if you learn to hear it that way. And here's the thing. If you don't train your ear to hear God's command as an, as an invitation, you'll miss God's plan for your life. You will. It won't make sense to you. God, why are you asking me to do this? That doesn't make sense. That, that violates my sense of, of justice. God, why are, you asking, why are you asking me to live pure? I mean, you recognize the culture we live in. God, why are you asking me to prioritize my decisions with your will? Like, this surely doesn't matter, does it? I want to point out something to you about God's command. Because God might ask you to do something like Jonah that doesn't make much sense. But the fact he's given you the instruction is proof that you're capable. See, the fact that God only sent one man to Nineveh tells us something about Jonah. Tells us that he was gifted. It tells us that he was capable. It tells us that he was good at what he did. You know, if it was me, like, I probably would have sent a team. I was like, okay, guys, we've got to have a strategy meeting. All right, you're going to talk to the government. Okay, you guys are going to you know, hang out at the city. You guys are going to go down Main Street. This is how we're going to do it. But God says, no, Jonah, you've got what it takes. You can do this. Some of you need to hear that God is not going to ask you to do something he hasn't equipped you to do. The fact that you're called is the fact that he's equipped you. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Jonah was afraid that this wasn't going to work. Maybe he was resistant to it because he didn't agree with God's plan. What's clear is that he rejected his calling. He rejected his calling. I say calling. See, what I've realized is that God's will, it's not as mystical as we make it out to be. Sometimes we think God works in mysterious ways, but the way God works many times is he gives us a command and it's up to us to make it a calling. What do I mean by that? I mean your calling is whatever you call it. I know this because God called Nineveh a great city. It was in verse 2. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, I just got done telling you how wicked it was and how brutal it was. But God called it great. And that phrase is important because great is not the phrase, is not the word that Jonah would have used to describe Nineveh. He would have called it a terrorist state. But see, God doesn't call things like you see it. You know, sometimes people will be like, oh, I just call it like I see it. Well, you need to stop that. You need to call it like God sees it. 
Because if you only call it like you see it, you'll never embrace your calling. If you call that person a problem in your life, guess what? You're gonna see them as a problem. If you call the demands on your life stressful, guess what? You are going to be stressed out. But if you call it like God sees it, then he can change it to what he knows it has the potential to be. So God, he looks at these barbaric terrorist people and he says, you're a great city that I long to visit with my mercy and grace. So quit calling it a trial and call it a training ground. You, you gotta call it something else because it's a calling the moment you start calling it that. So call it redeemed, call it healed, call it a mission field, call it a training ground, call it blessed, call, call it God's plan and it'll become a calling when you call it that. If you begin to call it like God sees it, then he can speak life into it. So Jonah had a command, but he didn't receive it as a calling. So what he did is he made a choice. He made a choice, and he ran from his calling, and he ran from God's will, and he actually, he ran from God's presence. <laughs> he tried to get away from the presence. It says he ran from the Lord. And I don't want you to judge Jonah because you might not physically run from God, but you can emotionally run from God. I mean, when, when was the last time you really sought God? I, I mean, when was the last time that you forgave in a costly way? When, when was the last time that you overlooked an offense? When, when was the last time that you gave sacrificially. I don't want you to judge Jonah. I want you to relate to him because he's got a fundamental disagreement with the way God has chosen to work. Maybe you felt this way too. Like, God, it's not right that I work this hard and I only make this much. God, it's not right that it's taken this long and I'm still single. God, it's not right that my friends don't make more time for me. They're caught up in their own thing. God, it's not fair that I have to work so hard, but things seem so easy for everybody else. And so we meet Jonah <clears throat> down at the port where the boats are docked. And he's got a decision to make. Stand in between two decisions. We know that Jonah's God's man. He's been given a command. Well, we know that the context tells us that he's capable. God chose him and sent him. We know he has a calling because of how God spoke. But what we see is that even though he has a calling, he also has a choice. And God allows us to make choices. He allows us to go our own way. And herein lies the trouble because you can always find a boat heading in the opposite direction from God's plan. God's will or my will? That's the, that's the real question. <clears throat> Many times when we say we're, we're seeking God's will, what we're really wanting is God to rubber stamp our own decisions. That's not a recipe 
for fulfilling God's plan for your life. So what I want you to notice is Jonah ignores God's word and God doesn't stop him. He decides to go his own way. God doesn't stop him. He sets sail successfully for Tarshish. They, they leave the docks. God doesn't stop him. He goes down, takes a nap, and God doesn't stop him. Can I tell you, just because you're able to move forward does not mean that you're moving forward in the right direction. And that's why we need verse four, because it says, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. So God sent a storm. God troubled the waters. And here's what you gotta understand between the choice and the trouble is that God's plan isn't marked by smooth sailing. See, lots of times we think that we're in the will of God when everything is going our way and that we're out of the will of God when things start to get a little rough. Or if we've had like maybe a little bit of church experience and spiritual education, we think, okay, well, maybe I'm getting some resistance because I'm doing God's will. But here's what I want you to see. The first time we see God's will actually performed in this chapter is the storm. It said God sent the storm. Now, understand me on this. I am not saying God sends evil in your life to teach you something. I do not believe that. Scripture says that it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes so you can have life and life more abundant. I mean, you can learn something, but <clears throat> if you've had some tragedy in your life, and can you give me my water, please, over there? If you've had some tragedy in your life, and, and uh, you learned something from it, it's probably because you opened up your Bible for the first time. It's not because that taught you something, but thank you. But what I want you to see is that in this case, the storm was sent by God. Now, that challenges our theology a little bit. What I want you to see, though, is that God will shape your circumstances to form your character. He will shape your circumstances to form your character. Think about that while I take a drink. <clears throat> so in general, feelings are a bad barometer for knowing God's truth. You think, oh, well, I've just got a peace about this. Well, Jonah took a nap. It wasn't because he had the peace of God. God can give you a sense of peace, he can, but you can't just be ruled by your feelings and think, well, I feel good about this, so it must be God's will. Jonah felt good enough to take a nap. And what we see is the storm came, and now Jonah, he has to face the consequence. And here's the thing, disobeying God will always have a consequence. Will always have a consequence. That's what we see. It's, it's not just Jonah that's affected by this decision. <laughs> he was running from God and it's affecting the people around him. They, these sailors didn't do anything wrong. They're, they're headed for Tarshish. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And now there's this crazy storm and 
there's this loss of cargo. They're throwing the, the cargo overboard and they're trying to figure out what has caused this. They almost lose their life. And Jonah fesses up. He makes a confession. He, he comes clean. And he says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it'll become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He confesses. He owns the responsibility. He repents. He repents. Now, it's kind of a strange thing to say, hey, this is my fault. Kill me. <laughs> this is my fault. Throw me overboard. But here's what I think the takeaway truth is for you and for me, is that when you got it wrong by going out of your way, go overboard to get it right. When you've messed up, when you've made a mistake, when you've failed, go overboard to get it right. What am I saying? Own it. Own the responsibility. This, this is my fault. I shouldn't have done this. That's what repentance is. It may seem extreme that he says, throw me overboard, but what he's saying is, I am not gonna go this way any longer. I'm gonna do what it takes to change my direction. I'm not gonna keep moving this direction. And that's what repentance is. Now, it says in verse 15, they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And this is the part I love about this story. And this is the part that doesn't often get preached. Because what we see is that Jonah, he never should have been on this boat to begin with. It wasn't God's plan. He, he was on this boat because he rebelled from God. He was on this boat because he was running from God's will. But I love how even in Jonah's rebellion, God used it for his glory. These weren't Hebrews. These weren't Israelites. These, these weren't people that worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what we see is the moment Jonah confessed, the moment he says, I'm gonna make this right, God used his testimony to change the lives of others. So what's the point? Is that even when you have rejected God, even when you've ran from God, whether out of ignorance or out of intention, God has a way of taking things that were never part of his original plan and folding it into his ultimate plan. You, you, you think you've messed up God's will for your life? Let me tell you something. You're not that powerful. God can still get you where he wants you to be. So Jonah confesses, and then God brings a change. And what you see is that when you look across from the command, from the time the command was issued to when God made a change, that God was at work this whole time making course corrections and you didn't even realize it. From, from the command to the context, right, to the calling, to the choice, to the consequence, to the confession, to the change. Across the seven seas, 
God was at work making a course correction in his life. And can I just tell you, God has been at work in your life. You may feel like you've missed it. You, you may feel like whether it was I ran from God, I rejected God. It says God provided a fish. And that doesn't seem like much of a gift. It says he provided a great fish. It doesn't seem like much of a gift. But when you've ran from God, because there was a boat going the opposite direction, what you see is that God is always able to provide something greater to get you back to his plan and his purpose for your life. 